In this episode, we have the honor to speak with author, speaker, and co-founder of An Event Apart, Eric Meyer. Audience questions, dealing with spaghettified code, and deep thoughts with Eric Meyer. Sarah. And I'm Brian. Welcome to Thunder Nerds. And I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss, and thank you for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they do. And do tech good. good. Doing tech good. Pow. Hey, everybody. Speaking of doing tech good, we have a sponsor this year. We have Pantheon.io. Thank you, Pantheon. Pantheon provides a uh, dev, test, and live environment for your sites. It's easy to back up your stuff. Um, it's for WordPress, Drupal 7, Drupal 8. They are a great platform. Go check them out at Pantheon.io. I believe they make a baked lasagna on Tuesday, so check them out. Pantheon, oh, boom. I want lasagna. I know, right? I love lasagna. Why would you do that? I gotta Speaking go. of lasagna, we have an amazing guest today. We have, let's, let's go ahead and bring him in here. God, I'm so hungry. We have the honor to talk to you. <clears throat> let me let me get all these points correct. Speaker, author, disliker of coffee and chocolate, and we'll get into that. Co-founder of an event apart, Eric Meyer. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, okay. thanks for having me. Yeah, it's truly our honor, Hertzie. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. What you up to? Uh, about six foot one. Ooh. That's cool. I'm four. I'm such a dad. Oh, uh, oh you, you and Frederick did really. Oh, man. We're going to get along just fine. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, Downhill from here. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, I like the puns. I like the puns. Uh, where, where are you actually at right now? I am actually in my home office in my home in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't know if you were uh, traveling because I know there's a lot of the uh, event parts coming up. Like you're going to be uh, in... Uh, DC coming up soon. You got yep. Chicago, Denver, San Francisco. So you're traveling all over the world all the time. Uh, yeah, or at least all over the U.S. Although um, I'll also be in Belarus in September. Turns out. So, mm. um, oh, I just leaked a little info there. Uh, Sorry. Oh, exclusive. Exclusive. I don't think it's been announced yet. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. DC is at the end of July, and then yeah, it starts to roll like. Chicago at the end of August, and then Denver in uh, in uh, October, and San Francisco in December. So. That's an interesting point that you brought up about the U.S. Do you have any uh, aspirations, plans to bring it? Uh, I don't know, Canada, Mexico, somewhere else around the globe. Uh, we've looked into it in the past. Uh, logistically, it's even more complicated and expensive than you might um, imagine. So mm. at the moment, we don't have any uh, uh, announced plans to go outside the the u.s but um you know that's the future has many wonders in it so who knows that's true i want to go back to cleveland real quick are you a sports ball fan were you excited about the Cavs? no no um i'm not really a sports ball fan i was excited about the Cavs. i have to say uh for all of my like friends and acquaintances like everybody was just so psyched uh particularly the year that they went to the finals and won um Everyone was really excited. Um, uh, yeah, so it was it was nice to see everybody. Because for those who don't follow the sports ball, <laughs> uh, uh, or, or any sports ball really at this point, Cleveland is kind of one of those cities that has never wins <laughs> no. anything. Uh, I, I know this because I live here, right? Like the Browns perpetually in like last place and the Indians often in last place and the Cavs. And blah. Yeah. But then and suddenly won one game, the Browns, by the way, just for context out of okay. like how many games? Was- <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't even know. It's, it's, it's been a while. Um, you know, it, like the, 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 uh, the annual, the annual cry is just wait till next year. And, to which you know most people say when you'll lose again, right? But for, this, <laughs> for, for like this short window, like the Cavs were amazing, 
Um, and also the Indians did really well. Like they, the, the year the Indians lost to the Cubs was also the same year that the Cavs won the NBA championship. Right. And the Indians came within that close of also winning the world series. So like for this brief moment, everybody was like super excited. The people who were sports ball enthusiasts were kind of back to the, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not, I don't know. I'm not really paying attention, but. Just um, curious, my my Rachel, uh, my partner, she's from Cleveland, so I was excited okay. when I saw that you're. Oh, Cleveland! Yeah. Yep. You ever play anything? You ever play any sports ball? I played soccer, like in junior high school. Nice. So, or or football for those of you who are overseas. From Austin. <laughs> um, I did that. I did a little bit of little league, but it was never really my thing. I was clumsy, and uncoordinated. <laughs> That's shocking. I can't yeah. imagine that. I, I say was like that's a past tense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. But I've lived you know here. What? God, I've lived here now. Uh, what year is this? It's 2019. I've lived here almost 31 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You've been there a while. Yep. You, can call, you can officially call yourself a Clevelander. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's 30 I, years. What did they say? Clevelander? I, yeah, yeah actually. 30 years is the mark. And then uh, after that, you can. So he, he's just in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you mind if we, um, for the people that, and I, I know we've, we've actually talked about this when we were at Event Apart, but for the people that don't know, uh, maybe a little bit of the context of the story of an Event Apart, I, I love the story about how it started in 2005. Do you mind if we just kind of touch on that briefly? Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I mean, real, what it comes down to is so Jeffrey Zeldman, and I had been speaking at a lot of conferences. We'd end up at the same conferences and we started to just sort of get to know each other. And every year at South by Southwest, we uh, went to a restaurant that no longer exists, uh, Las Manitas, I think it was called. Um, and we get breakfast, like away from everybody. This was back when South by Southwest was something you actually could get away from and still be in Austin. Um, and uh, we were have we we would have these breakfasts and and we we started to say things like we started to talk about the conferences we've been to. I said, God, you know, so many conferences we go to are just bad. Like they're not a good experience. They might have good speakers, but they're not a good experience for anybody. Um, maybe maybe we could do do better. Um, and maybe in doing that, we could also serve an audience that we think doesn't have a conference, which is the kind of people who read a list apart. And so. We just kind of did it. <laughs> we started doing one-day shows that were like three speakers, two of whom were me and Jeffrey, and like 100 attendees. And then those got such a response, and so many people came and said, oh, God, I wish it had been two days that we took a jump to sort of two-day conferences. And it's just sort of slowly grown from there. That's so cool. Yeah, I love, I love that, and I love what it's become now. I imagine you must have so many amazing learnings that you've had from over the years of doing this, not just talking to you know people in the audience, but all these amazing speakers. Do you have any kind of like, um, I don't know, uh, tidbits of like, uh, you know what, I got from the last 10 years out of this, I, I really felt this was a, a good piece of personal growth that I could share with people. Um, the first one is, was to stop using the term learnings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, th there have been too many, and it's not just from talking to the speakers, it's from talking to the attendees. I mean, we specifically mm -hmm. go after an audience that's people who are, have some experience, who have been at this for a few years. Um, you know, we don't have introduction to CSS talks or, you know, why you should care about accessibility, right? That, that kind of thing is just assumed. It's like, if you're at the show, yeah. you already know, you know, basically what you're doing and you want to do better. And so, you know, in a lot of cases talking to, you know, attendees who will tell me, you know, I was in this situation, you know, at my work and this is how we solved it. Or, hey, I, I, I'm stuck on this thing, you know, do you have any advice for how to get past it? And in conversation, like I'll learn as much from them as, as, or if not more than they learned from me. I mean, you know, there was the, if anyone who's seen what comes next is the future, um, the documentary, uh, I actually talk about this and some other people did too, like being there when Ethan Marcotte did the first responsive web design talk, which he did at Inventor Park Seattle in 2010. And just the feeling like as the talk went on, the, the room became sort of more and more electric, right? Like everyone was just 
suddenly realizing that here's this thing. This is gonna. This is important. This is. This means something. Um, there have been a lot of moments like that. Probably too many. Um, too many to remember at this point. But yeah, I, I mean, it's really. Uh, some of the things I've learned have been things like the. Um, uh, you know, the importance of um, communication within a team as opposed to from outside of the team, you know, outside of the team to the client or the boss or, you know, stakeholders is a term I hear a lot. Um, some examples of accessibility and why it's important, you know, even which again, I'm, I'm, I'm already in, but, you know, just to see like literally an example, you know, like Derek Featherstone saying, this is what we saw with a client, like this specific thing. And, and it just, just making you see it in a whole new way. I mean, there's just so many like that. You know, I've learned a, a ton from Jerry McGovern recently about customer focus and and tasks and, and uh, analyzing tasks that you're, you know, the tasks that your site or product should be fulfilling, That those kinds of tasks, not the, I have to write markup tasks. Um, yeah, it's, it's, Jeffrey and I have always, done our very best to create a show that we would want to attend, like pay to attend. And uh, we, I feel like we usually hit that mark. What, what, uh, have you had any uh, issue, like massive issues or flops or uh, that you could share with us that you've had where, you know, you plugged in a microphone and it, you know, it went in, it was went into another room or, you know, something crazy that happened or just. Um, our second show ever. So back when we were doing the one day shows in sort of offbeat venues, our second show was at Turner Field in Atlanta. So like, you know how every, well, maybe you don't know, but every baseball stadium apparently has like this sort of bar, up bar slash restaurant up in one corner of the, uh, of the yes. stadium bowl where like people rent for wedding receptions and bar mitzvahs and that, that sort of thing. Well, we, we, that's where we had the second one and, you know, they had said they would provide the internet and everything. And the, their network guy spent the entire day running around trying to get the network to work. And it never did. <laughs> um, oh, I, you know, um, that, that happens sometimes. Uh, that was actually, I think that was the same one where um, we had tried to make sure that we had uh, a wide selection of things. So we had, you know, like hot dogs for the carnivores and we had baked beans for the vegetarians well it turns out in atlanta baked beans have bacon in them oh yep yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. not a thing we realized so um and if anyone was there at the at the show and was vegetarian again our apologies i mean there was a salad but i <laughs> I, I i can imagine what it feels like when you know you show up to a show as a vegetarian it's like do you have anything for vegetarians there's salad it's like thank yeah. you for doing the bare minimum <laughs> it's probably what that felt like and and i feel a little bad about that still but we've learned as we've gone so um you know there, the only other thing I can think is uh, right when um, network backup systems became super popular, uh, we started having network problems. Um, of course. And so we, we had to develop uh, policies we, that we still have in place, which is, you know, if a certain IP starts sucking huge amounts of bandwidth in small amounts of time, we will turn it off um, if we have to. Uh, or dramatically throttle it. Um, we actually, this is part of the reason why we now have our own networking staff on hand. We run our own mesh. Sometimes we run our own uh, internet circuit from uh, from an ISP. Um, although these days hotels usually have enough of a of a outbound pipe that they can give us part of. They can dedicate part of it to us, and we'll be fine. Um, but early on, we would go into a hotel and we would say, hi, we need this much bandwidth. And they would say, that's three times as much as the hotel has. <laughs> right? So we would say, okay, please put us in touch with your local ISPs and we'll have them run a circuit. And we would. We did. So usually we don't have to run the circuit anymore, thankfully. Yeah, I, I think uh, internet has caught up to the point of necessity. Well, I mean, we still use, we still tend to saturate whatever the hotel has given us so yeah, I mean, yeah. How, how many people do you normally have an event 
yeah, 350 to 400 is about the average. Do you, um, and and they, they all need them, internet. Yeah, and they tell them to all do npm install when they get when they show up. <laughs> you know, when at the beginning of the show, well, actually at the beginning of each day, when we do the housekeeping notes, we'll say just as a reminder, if you got backblaze carbonite, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, please disable it. I should probably actually, <laughs> I should probably put npm in there. It's like no npm installs here, please. <laughs> yeah, okay, they'll do yarn. <laughs> no Netflix Thanks. streaming. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, Maybe you could block Netflix. We don't block addresses like that usually. I feel um, like people aren't going to be Netflixing while they're there. Yeah. <laughs> You're on stage, somebody's watching Full House. This show's pretty good, actually. You're naive. I like this new version. I'm telling really? you, I'm in those audiences. People are doing some crazy stuff. And they're they're on their computer. They're on their phone. They've got like three devices. And then they complain that the internet's crappy, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine, show. there's probably a good number of those kind of people. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't think we get too many people uh, too much like that. Or I think we get the people who do the three device thing, but usually they don't complain. Oh, okay. I, I just, I'm I going mean, to the wrong shows. Well, I also do mean probably peppered within like all the shows. You probably have a good amount of people, but yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So you get 300 you... people together, someone's going to complain about something. I mean, exactly. That's the law. That's how things work. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, what are you actually doing now, uh, personally, for uh, a job? You have a company, right? What, what, what's that about? I mean, an event apart is most well, of what, what I do. Okay. What about uh, what is it? Uh, Complex Spiral? Yeah, so Complex Pro Consulting, technically I have mm -hmm. a consultancy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, according to this, I have paperwork filed with the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. you know, I have a business. Legally, you, you have this business. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's, I, I could do stuff. Uh, usually it's, in the, in the past, it's been training, customized training. So uh, let, me, let me pick a, a, a company that's actually never hired me. Uh, Google. <laughs> so let's say Google, for some reason, has a team that they want to get up to speed on CSS. So they get in touch and they say, you know, hey, this is what we want. So I would actually work with that team to say, can you show me what you're working on, either what you're responsible for or what you've got coming up, and then base the training around that stuff, right? Uh -huh. Even though it might be, let's start with the basics of grid. I'm going to use their designs as the basis for that example so that that's the, so that they don't have to try to like parse the designs. Like they know what the design is for. Like they know what the pieces are for. I'm just going to show you how to arrange it as an example. Um, so that's what I, did. I haven't done it in a few years. Um, hasn't been a lot of demand for it. And I haven't been putting out, you know, Hey, I'm doing, you know, look <laughs> at the me, me. right. Yeah. I, you know, Adventure Park keeps me busy. Um, and writing has kept me busy. Just a few books, right? Yeah, a few. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually reading uh, design, the Design Life one right now. It's pretty uh, good. Design for Real Life, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great uh, book. I was actually watching the talk that he gave on it in 2017. That was, that was amazing. Mm. Well, and the book wouldn't be even half as good as it was if it weren't for Sarah, my co-author, who brought so much to, to that book. Yeah, just just the points of like the things too with like um, uh, a Google. What was it? Was it Google or Facebook sending her um, oh, some yeah. alerts about like Mother's Day and like like oh. some of those kind of things that are you know are not maybe sensitive to to, to people. Like they they could just be doing a better job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they could be. It's true. Yeah, if, yeah, death of a loved one, and the it's in your uh, yeah the year in review thing, which uh, yeah, it, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it's bad, a bad experience. It's an experience I think that not enough uh, designers think about for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've had that experience twice with uh, with Facebook, and it's uh, it's it's not pleasant. No, um, yeah, yeah. Sarah Parmenter actually, um, she she uh, was talking with a company, oh God, I just blanked on their name and she's gonna be so mad at me. Um, well, because the thing is, so it, it's a sort of like a floral, you know, one, one of these companies that'll ship stuff to your house, you know, presents or whatever, um, or to somebody else's house um, in the UK where, where Sarah lives. And uh, last year they said a thing about, you know, remember Mother's Day and Sarah's mother died 
uh, quite unexpectedly uh, uh, several yeah. years ago. And so she wrote the, she basically wrote back and said, Hey, look, you know, have you considered that not, you know, some people had their mothers are dead. They don't have good relationships with their mothers for whatever reason. Um, and she got a response back really fast saying, you're absolutely right. We're really sorry. Um, and like from the CEO, uh, wow. saying, you know, we're wow. really, that's sorry. great. I'm sorry about this. Thank you so much for your insights. We'll take them on board. And this year they did, they actually sent email ahead of mother's day in the UK, which is a different date than it is here. But um, saying, Hey, if you want to opt out of mother's day mails, like hit this link, they literally got press coverage, like the guardian or whatever wrote nice. about how like and and this huge outpouring on tour is like this is the most amazing thing i have ever seen so sarah's got a huge success story there um and uh god i wish i could remember the company name so i could give them props uh, yeah, yeah give them props for for having well, done it but, well if you, if, you, if you think about it just uh send us uh send yeah. us a text uh, via twitter and we'll put it in the show notes yeah but yeah i i, I love the two the, the points that you're talking about with how do these companies take responsibility? Are they responsible? Like, you know, that company obviously did take responsibility and they're, they're making big changes. Right. But yeah. like you were talking about, uh, what was it? Pokemon go, how, how yeah. they had like a little thing about like, Hey, be careful of your surroundings. And then it just progressed into like a, a modal and more and more and more. But mm-hmm. you, as you were saying, like, were they responsible for that guy that was playing Pokemon go and accidentally crossed the border into Canada? And what would have happened if, those armed guards came and you know something terrible happened or that one guy that walked into that abandoned landmine while he's playing pokemon go because he's not paying attention yeah um yeah because the the pokemon go maps did not take into account where the minefields are in bosnia or wherever else so yeah you know what responsibility does niantic have and it's a the problem is it's it's a question we haven't really as an industry faced we haven't talked about it you know, the, the, the closest I think we get is, well, of course they're not responsible. Okay. But are you sure? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, what, what, like, like you were talking about too, with, with, uh, in, in the same token that somebody driving and playing yeah. Pokemon and if, yeah. you know, they, they actually got into an accident. Like, so what is the, wh- how does that work legally uh, yeah. I mean, or morally so touchy to me? Cause I feel like you should be intelligent enough not to do those things things too but i know i know i know if you have a device like that like an iphone and you're you're driving isn't there a way to possibly detect something like that i don't know right and at the time they were detecting whether or not you were moving quickly uh enough to be you know not walking and they disabled it or well they were doing it to disqualify you from like building up walking steps to earn stuff in pokemon go but they they weren't at the time at the time they weren't like disabling the app they were just saying (sighs) you know oh you're moving too fast so um you can't qualify for for miles to hatch your eggs or whatever the heck it is and uh (laughs) oh god no priorities (laughs) Right. But since then, since that time, they do that. But they also do a, hey, you're moving too fast. You should not be using Pokemon Go if you're driving. But you can dismiss it, which actually makes sense because a lot of people who play Pokemon Go are taking public transportation. Yeah. So they shouldn't qualify for walking miles necessarily, but there's no reason to lock them out of Pokemon Go just because they happen to be on a subway or a bus. Right. And or yeah, a kid in the back of mom's car. Or a kid yeah. in the back of, like, the, my kid in the back of my car sometimes. Like, can I play yeah. Pokemon Go? It's like, we're driving, so I don't know why, but sure, here you go. Why not? Um, yeah. Right, but given that they were already checking, that adds a whole new layer of what level of responsibility did they have to try to enforce some safety guidelines. Yeah, right? at least like, prompt, yeah. Right, you know, if, if you build a road, are you also uh, liable for putting up guardrails? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a, another good comparison would be like a car and a seatbelt, how it has the annoying alarm. It's like ding, ding, right. <laughs> until you put it on. So, right. yeah. Well, well, what about companies that take things, um, like obviously that the, the one thing you also discussed in that video uh, referring to the book was the uh, the Burger King commercial where they were saying, hey, if you want to find more things about the Whopper, hey, Google, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, yeah, like, right. and, and 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but like they they said that and like find out more things about you know the, the their hamburger. But and that was like a that was a big thing. Is that responsible or is that someone taking advantage of a te- technology in an irresponsible way? What's what what do we think? Yeah, that's a good question. What do what I mean, is it? Yeah, I I don't know if it's smart, you know, but it, it's certainly not uh, a life threatening scenario. But um, I'm, no. yeah, not not that one specifically. But it's it, it, you know, they're not only are they leveraging an interesting new technology, but it it's like we pointed out, or like you pointed out in the video, it was only a fifteen second ad too that they had to pay for. Right. I don't know. I feel like any uh, anything involving fast food is a uh, a is life risking. Well, <laughs> well, so so a, a similar point I had there uh, actually right after that in the talk, if I remember correctly, was um, there's a news story about how a, <laughs> yeah. a guy came over to his girlfriend's house and was really mad at her for whatever I don't you know I didn't get oh, oh that details. story yeah yeah no, that story and. Uh, pulls a gun on her and is shouting at her, did you call the cops? Did you call the cops? Alexa called the cops. Right? And the cops showed up and yeah. saved her, which sounds great. But then you think about how many movies am I watching where someone shouts something like, there's a terrorist in the building, you know, call the SWAT team. What happens if Alexa responds to that? And a SWAT team shows up and like uses the breaching grenades to get into the house because they think there's a terrorist. Now what? What the? No. Or what? And the other point you were making too is you could set some kind of precedent of like um, only recognize uh, the when it's coming out of a human voice. But then what if you have the scenario of say some kid playing a video game and he's talking smack with somebody on the other end saying yeah kill him kill him blah 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 call the SWAT right. team right and we're yep. we're round robin right yep there we are again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you, what level of responsibility do they have? Like they didn't force you to take the Google Home or the Amazon Echo or whatever the heck they're called now, right? Nobody forced you to put the always listening device in your house. But at the same time, they made a certain promise if you put it in your house that it would do X, Y, and Z and not these other things. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> um, people, people, you like, you know. People ask me how many uh, uh, like Google Homes and similar devices I have in my house, and I tell them none. I have yeah. none. I have none either. Yeah. I don't understand the appeal, to be honest. I don't I, understand why you would want something like listening to you. And I don't know. I just don't get I, it. I have them, but it's always unplugged unless I'm unless I'm using it, and then I use it more as like a smart speaker to be like, hey, play this podcast, um, things like that. But um, speaking of responsibility, uh, we have a responsibility to ask some audience questions. And Sarah, would you like to, uh, we have a few audience questions. Would you like to ask the first one, Sarah? What, who, me? Yeah, yeah, you. yeah, yeah. yeah. You. Where, where, oh, sorry, this is my first time, Eric, in case you, you haven't noticed. Where am I seeing these audience questions? It's number two in the show doc. For our number audience, two. we have a show doc. Yeah. I do. They tried to prepare me for this, and I obviously am failing. Yeah. And, we uh, are very grateful for you co uh, hosting the, the the show with us today. You're gonna so, hang so. out. Yeah, I'm I'm doing my best. You know, yeah. doing my best here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is what you get. You know, beggars can't be choosers. So, uh, <laughs> I do see these questions now. So the first question we have is, what do you think about AMP? AMP. Not many good things. <laughs> Well, then I want to hear more. Yeah. Uh, so I understand some of the now. Let me let me backtrack that. <laughs> Not even I understand. Hot drama here it comes. <laughs> so I get the pitch. It's like strip stuff down and it will be faster. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't require this like special markup set and all this other stuff to make that happen, Google could literally say, you know what? The higher your Lighthouse score, the higher your whatever performance score, the high, you know, the higher that will rank you. You know, the, the, and, you know, sites which are sufficiently fast, when we index them, we're going to put them into the cool carousel, right? Which right now is reserved for AMP. 
um, you know, and, and they say, oh, you know, we want the web to be faster. No, you, you want your technology to make people's experience faster. If you wanted the web to be faster, you would actually reward good markup rather than like trying to impose your own, um, you know, the, the broad, the broad sort of structure of it, the, you know, you have to have below a certain amount of CSS and either no JavaScript or incredibly limited JavaScript. I don't, I don't remember what the, what the parameters are right now, but you know, those sorts of things like, okay, sure. But you could, they could have just as easily said, if you do these things, they will boost you though. You'll be more likely to land in this carousel or whatever you're, you, or be higher ranked because your site will be faster. And so we will prioritize your site because it will give our users a better experience, but that's, that's not how they did it. So, all right. Was, no, yeah, well, was, well said, I, I think you yeah. made a really good point about um, rewarding better markup. Yeah, I just rewarding better performance. It's, you know, whether, uh, yeah. whether it's div soup, I mean, okay, that's not great, but if it's really fast div soup, that's uh, from Google's perspective, a better user experience than a really well-structured document that takes 10 seconds to load for whatever reason, right? Yeah, yeah. It, so. It's it's kind of funny when we, when you look at like the static website and like, can, can you just make it? static website and then it would be nice and fast like you're trying to do but right. uh, um i want to make sure to ask this uh next question before we get to the other ones because it's uh um someone i know wanted me to ask it so they wanted to know about dealing with large code bases and have you ever have you any tips regarding it because uh it always seems to end up spaghetti code no matter you know over time eventually uh the more people that get into it the more it becomes a mess yeah, so I have not worked with the kind of large code bases that people usually mean when they talk about large code bases. I do think that any sufficiently large code base will spaghettify regardless of what language it is, what practices you adopt. It like it doesn't go Rust, Haskell, it doesn't matter. You get big enough and it's just it's going to spaghettify. And I love that. I, spaghettify. Yeah, well, you, you said spaghetti code. I did. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just I think I think it's inevitable. Any large complex system eventually starts to become too complex in non-obvious ways, right? I mean, we can see that in corporate structures and government structures, and right, those are those are also large flowcharts of of a sort, and sometimes parts of the flowchart conflict, just like in our code. So, um, you know, I I think it depends a lot on. Um, who you like, who's in your team and what, what makes sense for them. So for some people, something like atomic CSS makes a lot of sense or tailwind like utility type CSS makes a lot of sense for another team because that's just sort of how that team thinks and operates. You know, this is, people would argue about how BEM was either the greatest thing or the worst thing. And it had a little, didn't have much to do with BEM. It had to do with the people who were who were taking those positions for someone that that model made sense. It was the best thing. And for someone who didn't get it, it, it was terrible. And that's, that's always going to be the case. So, you know, um, try to pick an approach and stick with it, I think is the generic <laughs> advice I would give. But there's but, a shiny new way of doing it over here. Right. And also <laughs> pick, pick an approach and stick with it gets you further than a lot of other approaches, but it will only get you so far before the spaghettification will start creeping in. Yeah. You know, complex systems are just sort of inevitably succumb to chaos over time. Sarah, do you like want to do the next one? Oh, I just wanted that. That was a, like, I feel like that was a metaphor for life right there. Like that was just, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it just is a reflection of people and, yeah. and the way we, we, we do things. So I, I, was pretty deep. Okay, next one. Sorry. Um, so, uh, new technologies. What new technologies are you most excited about? Uh, so for me, let's see. I mean, I in the CSS realm, grid, widespread, consistent flexbox support, but mostly grid, subgrid, which I was actually doing subgrid designs today in Firefox Nightly, and mm -hmm. it was working for the most part. Um, I may have found a slight bug, <laughs> but ah. um, I actually reached out to them to see if it's their fault or mine. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. I actually, WebP has me kind of oh, interested. Yeah. 
Um, there's always that support question, right? Because older browsers get nothing, but there are ways of setting up markup so that you can do fallbacks, right? So that's, uh, I'll give you a WebP, and if you don't understand WebP, then here's the PNG alternative. And if you don't understand PNG, here's a JPEG and things like that. Uh, but WebP, um, just the, the, the compression uh, possibilities there. Um, and along with that, HTTP2 and constant streaming rather than every asset being its own connection, just opening up a connection and stuffing everything down that one connection um, is actually really useful um, for network performance. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other technologies that have gotten me really psyched recently. And you know, it, it doesn't have to be a, a web technology, any kind of technology. Yeah, no, I, I, I spend most of my time thinking about the web. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I figured. You know, There's auto, stuff outside of the web? <laughs> Wait, auto, what? Auto autos, was, which is what I call self-driving cars. They aren't here yet, so yeah. I can't get excited about that. What do you, um, what do you call them? Auto autos. <laughs> I like that. Before I, you know it. I, that's what they that's what they keep saying. I was gonna say they've been saying that for a long time. Like yeah. I think I, I know it's not gonna happen anytime soon. That's what I know. It's, you think so? I don't think so. Ten years. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to say. I I feel like I feel like autonomous vehicles are gonna be one of those things that happen slowly and then very fast. Yeah. And, yeah. But that slowly can stretch out much longer than than people think it will. But then yeah, suddenly It'll it'll be one of those things where he's like, yeah, it's never it's coming, it's never coming, and then suddenly a year later, it's like, God, now it's everywhere. What yeah. what happened? Um, yeah, and it doesn't seem like we're there yet, but we'll see. I th I would be I wouldn't be surprised if we get mostly autonomous highway driving in the next five or so years. Highway so driving, like, do, do you mean like commercial vehicles such as trucks, like going down that road? Well, but any any vehicle that uses an interstate, um, oh, okay. Because right, you don't have traffic lights, you don't have pedestrians. Hopefully, it's almost like right? a train. Almost. Yeah. Um, but but those 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 kinds of that scenario, the, the the interstate highway scenario, is is a much smaller problem space. Like fully autonomous cars driving around cities with pedestrians and traffic lights and everything. I think that'll be a while, but. All it takes is a, like one or two major computing breakthroughs or or uh, code breakthroughs to to make that better. So then then all of a sudden it happens all at once. Anyway, then we got um, quantum Teslas and driving us everywhere, right? Teslas. Whoa! I just want Teslas. the flying cars. Really, that's that's what uh, I want. Heck yeah! <laughs> well, Marty McFly to pick me up and take me over to Doc's house. See what's going on. Well, <laughs> I think that's it for my answer on this one. He's <laughs> done. <laughs> so, so does your family understand? Family and friend, do your family and friends understand what you do? Uh, I think most of them, to, at least at a basic level. And when we say family, I mean if you mean my immediate family, then yeah, I mean, I, I've had enough practice describing my niche of, uh, you know, my technological niche of the web that. Um, I think I think they get it at least a basic level, and it's it's not like it was 20 years ago when I would say, yeah. So I I, I write about display technologies for the web, right? So the web is right. I don't you don't have to have that conversation anymore. They know what the web is, um, so I can say, you know how one site looks different than another one? Yeah, that I'm talking about that stuff. Um, oh, you make stuff that appears on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I What's I help phone? I help other people make stuff that appears on your phone. That's actually my role is to is to teach people who who create this stuff, right? So, how does CSS work? Here's how CSS works, so that they can then go out and after they've read CSS the Definitive Guide, they can create grid layouts or they can create um, custom counters or whatever um, in order to deliver a better experience. Nice. Yeah. I wanted to ask you this one. I, I, I like this question here because I, I think a lot of people could relate to it. Again, an audience question. Have you ever felt and do you ever feel imposter syndrome? Um, not anymore. Yeah. I think I probably did earlier in my life. Um, I certainly did in school. 
Um, but once I got out and sort of working professionally, I mean, some, but I think what helps me with that is remembering that the people who feel imposter syndrome rarely ever should. And the people who don't feel imposter syndrome are the ones who should, um, usually. <laughs> and, uh, also that, um, as you move along in life, you, you realize that everybody's making it up as they go yeah. in everything. We're going back to that, you know, lessons for life. It's not just food. We're all making it up. Like you eventually, especially um, in my case, I reached a point where I said, wait a minute. I remember when my dad was the age that I am now. And I bet he didn't have any more clue about what he was doing than I do now. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or, or mom, like mom, dad, but you know, um, he was making it up as he went. Everyone's making it up as they go. And uh, coming to grips with that, sort of letting that settle in and, and be sort of in the marrow has pretty much done away with imposter syndrome. Because you realize everyone's sort of an imposter, and yet none of us are, <laughs> right? Because you know, we're, all, we're all trying to figure it out. Like there's no instruction manual for life. There's no instruction manual for the best way to write code. Like I, I know there have been plenty of books about writing clean code, and yet... I know that the people who read those books like three years later are like, Oh my God, I, I know I read that book and yet my code was so terrible after I read it, it was better than it was, but it was still terrible. And now it's better. It's I've, I've finally gotten it cleaned up. And then three years later, like, Oh my God, that was so terrible. Right. Yeah. So, that kind of thing. Sarah, do you want to get another one of those questions? Let me I think see. We got one more. I think we got one more. So, I see we've got something you miss about pre-modern web. Oh, something I miss about pre-modern web. Web rings. Web rings. Well, yeah. Oh my God. Web you know, rings? I thought I was pretty old. Web rings. You've stumped me. Oh, wow. Okay. So here's, so we're talking mid nineties here, early to mid nineties. Okay. A web ring was where you would have like the Babylon five web ring where you had a page or a site, but let's say a page about Babylon oh, 5. yeah, and then you could click through to the, another one. It was like a next previous, and yeah. it would take you to someone else's site, and you would register as sort of a central ring thing. Yeah. And it would sort of take you around this. So eventually, like if you got through the whole list, you would come back to the site where you started, thus web ring. Um, of course, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wasn't privy to that. I yeah. missed that one. Yeah. yeah, there'd usually be like the uh, overly bubbly buttons at the bottom of the page and you'd click and, you'd, and you'd, it was a completely different website you're going to, but they're all like interconnected. Yeah, I yep. remember that. Yep. Um, that was pretty cool. Let's bring uh, it back. Yeah. <laughs> Web ring coming back. I, you know, um, I miss the preferences in Mosaic. So in the original, like Mosaic 1, you could set the appearance of every HTML element in terms of font face from the list of font faces that were supported, which was not many, but still, you could choose a face, a size, and a color, color. for every element in HTML. You could make H6s huge if you wanted. You could make pre be in a, in a non-monospace font, uh, and you could turn it to, you could turn all the pre's to be gray or whatever, right? Just right there in the browser. It was, this is before CSS. Right, so you could you could do that. You were basically building a user style sheet before there was such a thing, um, and I always liked that. Opera did that for quite a while. Netscape dropped it, and nobody else picked it up besides Opera. Um, That'd be a nice accessibility thing to have, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, there are extensions for it, but yeah. there are extensions. Right, you can use Stylish or something like that to write a little CSS to do the same kind of thing, and actually much more powerfully, right? Because literally you could set like those three things about a given element. You couldn't set a background color. You couldn't put a border around it. You couldn't, or next to it, you couldn't put in a little symbol beforehand if that would help you in some way. Now you can do all that stuff. Like anything CSS will let you do, you can do to every site you visit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I miss that because it was, it was a way for people to like, like me to sort of get a, get a grip on, oh, okay, so each of these is a like a piece of a structure and I can affect pieces of that structure. 
So. Yeah, I still remember the not having an inspector and like the the horror of having to look at the actual source code completely and understand what <laughs> oh, was yeah. going on. Very very different. Yeah. Well, think about when the web was just one color. It was that light gray color, and that's all you had. Black on light gray. Actually, I thought of a third thing I miss. Or green. Um, <laughs> I, I did think of a third thing I missed, and then I then I oh. then I lost it again. Oh. <laughs> Just, oh, thanks, Brian. My cut fault. This, cut this part out. We'll fix it in post. Um, <laughs> uh, oh God, what was it? Um, oh, that's it. Uppercase tags. Ah, uppercase tags. So your HTML markup could be all. Oh. And it can again, by the way. HTML five is case insensitive. Yeah, I was about to say you can yeah. do that now. So I mean, you don't have to miss it. You can. No, you can do I don't. And in yeah. fact, I've, I've started mixing it up a little bit in my source. Um, yeah, but everyone does it lowercase because of XHTML. XHTML was case sensitive. Yeah, I, I got to say, like I'm in that habit, and and I I'm probably opposite of you. Like I see that I see a mix, or I see all uppercase, and it just kind of like it's like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, because mm, I'm just so conditioned to do everything lowercase. Yep, uh, that yeah, was XHTML one. That's yeah. what did it. The condition I keep doing is with image tags, where I keep feeling like I need to close it. <laughs> oh yeah, I always want to have that that slash. I always want to close yeah. the image tag. You can. HTML5 you can. That too. You can. Yeah. But, but I, yeah. you know, I don't have yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, I'm always like, oh, I need to closing. Ah. Yeah. Feels wrong not to. It does. Me. I agree. I agree. Can, can I ask a question since we're we're running short of time? I wanted to ask this: uh, What being uh, the uh, the guy of CSS here, what is the, and I'll, I'll add a little bit to this, but in, in a general sense, what is the future of CSS? What are some of the things that people could be spending their time right now thinking about to be productive three years from now, as far as like, I don't know, like styling things for like voice or inflection or um, AR or different kind of layouts like you know what you should really focus on this when you're using css grid that, that's going to be the future anything like that that you could uh, think of um i yeah i think we're still coming to grips with what grid and flexbox will mean for layout mm -hmm. and i don't think we know yet what people should be focusing on uh jen simmons has been has been uh exploring oh, yeah. this for a, for a few years now that you know our web design patterns were very much uh, sort of structured around floats and the layout tools that we had, which was mostly floats, right? And so not having a full height column background is because floats made that really hard. Not because it's a bad idea necessarily. They just, it was very hard to do. So we stopped doing it and started taking our limitations as this is good design, but maybe it's not. Right? Maybe there's maybe there's better design that ignores some of those rules, and but we're still trying to figure that out. And I think experimenting and trying to help trying to help figure that out will be a lot of the work of the next few years when it comes to web design. Um, when it comes to like voice uh, UI, right now that feels to me mostly like a UX problem, mm, yeah. not a design problem necessarily. And CSS isn't really set up to help with that at this point. Uh, it, we used to have oral styles, um, but they kind of died because that was 10 years ago and we weren't doing voice UI. So like it was basically meant for screen readers um, and had some cool stuff in it. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, degrees, uh, the, the degree values, um, the, degree, the, the degree unit, that's what I'm trying to say. Degree values were originally in oral CSS because you could specify an azimuth and elevation to position a sound in three-dimensional space. Mm -hmm. Now we use them to rotate stuff using transform, but that's where degree units got their start. Um, so that might come back, but I, I, don't, I don't think we're there yet. So like I say, I, I, think, I think things like speaking is a UX problem. It's it's a, what do we want to expose to the, to the user? Like when they speak, what do we want to respond to? What do we want to not respond to? How do we want to respond to them? That's all, to me, that's all UX. Um, 
it's not really style. <laughs> well, what, what about like, I don't know what future this is, but what about a future where I have a, when I ask uh, Brian's Alexa to read me a, a, a story and it's reading from a website and I could say, you know, and then this part, see, you know, in CSS, include yeah. this music or, you know, make the inflection of the voice more like, Ooh, you know, yeah. like, that was that was all that was actually all in oral CSS. Oral being does, yeah, A U R A L CSS. Does that come back or do we go, you know what, let's revisit that? I guess I, I think it will get revisited. Whether or not those properties come back is that's that feels a little unlikely. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know, there was so little implementation of them that the the, the working group might decide that the field's open to just bring them back mm -hmm. uh, with some improvements. I can't speak for the working group, so I don't know. But maybe, then again, maybe not. Um, they might decide to go a whole, a whole new route. But yeah, I, I, I think that will come. But I, I don't think it's coming soon. Well, well I, I, I'm, I know I'm talking about things that could happen, might happen. But what are some of the things that we should be looking at as far as you should really focus on this because this is what things are going to be like in two to three years? And if, do, I, knew, do, if I knew that, I would mm -hmm. already cash in on the stock market, my man. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think? Or of, that would be uh, the new book. Uh, well, what do you think of Houdini? Um, I find it very interesting. Uh, I find it a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I, I I find it interesting because it's from what I can from what I can and from what I can tell from what I have seen, it's extend CSS using Canvas, which is interesting. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I guess that's a little bit like grid. I'm not sure where we're going to go with that as a, as a field. Um, and I, and I, you know, is, is canvas as far as it's going to go? Like, I, I don't know. I'm a, I, I am a little worried about it. I feel like for some browser vendors, and I'm not going to name any names, but for some browser vendors, they feel like we'll give them CSS Houdini and then we can just ignore CSS for the rest of our lives because they can do whatever they want. They can just write their own magic canvas stuff and we we don't have to worry about it and i would i would hate to see that happen i would hate to see that be the actual path things take because there's always an advantage to having stuff supported natively right if we want scribbly underlines okay maybe we can use houdini to figure out cool scribbly underlines and then like you know three quarters of the web is suddenly using them because they look awesome then the css working group should like write that down to say okay Here's an actual property you can use. Text decoration value, you know, here's a value. Text decoration scribble or whatever. And here's how you affect it. Um, and I I worry sometimes that there are there are some browser implementers who are who just feel like, God, if we just get Houdini out the door and get them using it, then we can they can go away and we don't have to interface with authors again. And I would hate, like I say, I'd hate to see that happen. You get old enough and you start to, you start to fear things, I guess. That's what it is. <laughs> or you just, you've seen it, you've seen it all enough times. It's like, ah, oh, geez. I, I remember the last time something like this came along and what happened as a result of that. It's funny how a lot of those things come back around. Yeah. You know, it's my pinned tweet is those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. And those who do study history are doomed to watch it repeated by those who didn't study. Yeah. <sighs> well said. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, Brian, you got anything? Um, we have a few minutes. It'd be nice to do a few lightning round questions. Like, Ooh, which, lightning yeah. round questions. Eric, yeah. you ready? I, yeah. We had a thunderstorm here earlier today, so I'm more than ready. Yeah, that's nice. basically so these... we, oh, yeah, we basically asked a bunch of questions quickly. Uh, anything from, you know, favorite pizza to, you know, bagel to I'm food oriented right now. But And then you answer it and then we move on. Okay. Brian's hungry. Speaking of which. Favorite pizza topping? Uh, single or as a combo? Uh, both. Okay. My favorite single pizza topping is probably salami. Oh, uh, nice. In like strips. And then my favorite uh, combo is uh, bacon, uh, artichoke hearts, black olives, and roasted pine nuts on a pesto sauce. All right. This is nice. really specific. Like, I did not expect that level of pizza topping. He knows his pizza. Damn. I know yeah, what I, I was. You go next, Sarah. 
Oh my God. Uh, favorite band? Rush. Really? Yeah. Let I me ask you. Th- oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, okay. Let me ask you this, Tom Sawyer. You come home and it's uh, the middle of the night, one in the morning. You open your front door, you see a ghost. What do you do? Uh, take a selfie with it. Nice. Well said. <laughs> Brian? I was, I, I was going to say about the band, I actually haven't listened to Rush for, for in a while. Um, they've stopped putting out new albums because they basically retired, but um, they've been the band I've listened to the most consistently throughout my throughout my life. So anyway, Brian, you're up. What's the uh, last thing you did just for yourself? Just for myself? Good Lord. <laughs> this, is, this is a difficult question to ask a father because... Um, it's, I, I, it's I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, the last thing I did myself was I cooked dinner for my son and, and me. So, and then I came up here. Fair enough. <laughs> Good enough. Sir. All right. It's my turn. So and now as a parent myself, I'm curious, uh, you said, son, how many kids do you have and how old are they? Uh, I have two. Um, Joshua's eight and Carolyn is 15 and a half. Okay. All right. Oh, my turn. Uh, So (laughs) do you play an instrument? I do not regularly play an instrument as a regularly. Yeah. When I was, well, so there's drums. Um, But when I was a kid, I actually studied both piano and violin for almost a decade. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do, do you think you could pick it up and just... Hey, another question. The Sorry. violin, yes, probably. The piano, I mean, I could still do basic tunes on a piano. Um, and, I, you know, with a, the piano, I could probably get back into it with, you know, a, few, a, a little bit of time, not not a huge amount. Um, violin, I yeah, probably pick, just pick up. Not and be at the same level I was, but again, I could, you know, like sight read music and slowly and that sort of thing anyway nice what really gets on your nerves the list is long but distinguished um (laughs) just pick one really gets on my nerves i you know apostrophe errors in public signage Mm. sarah yeah Uh God, I feel like it's like this is too lightning. Like we need to slow this lightning down by the time we get back to me. I'm like, I don't even know what to ask. I'm prepared for this more. Um, so, uh, travel favorite place that you've you visited? Oh wow, uh, Guilin, China. Ooh. it's a city on the Lijiang River. The the Lijiang, the Jiang River, or the Li River, excuse me. Um, where it's uh one of those areas that has a bunch of karst formations. So the hills are like, you know, like, and there's just a bunch of them everywhere. Like these, these outcroppings in this otherwise flat landscape. And there's this river goes through it. And the last time I was there, which admittedly was uh, 20 years ago on my honeymoon, uh, the river was so clear, you could see the bottom. Right. And this is a, this is actual river, right? Like with traffic. And yet you could see the riverbed because the water was so clear and you could see the fish and, and everything. And it was just such a beautiful, um, just so beautiful, such a beautiful place. I haven't been back since, and I, I would like to someday. Um, but a very close second is the Netherlands in Amsterdam. It's funny. I just went to Amsterdam the beginning of this year to visit some friends. Mm-hmm. And while I think the Netherlands are beautiful, I found Amsterdam to be disappointing. It was, and I did go around New Year's, so, you know, it was very busy, but I feel like the the tourists, I I saw me, I didn't really get a sense of of the people that lived there. It was more a sense of the um, flood of tourists and everything seemed to be for tourists versus um, the actual people that lived there. Yeah. I've been a few times and I know a couple of people who live there. So I've, yeah sort of see this the, the, you know, the city and yeah to, to yeah. get to get past the the tourist floods i know what you're talking about though um, yeah you had the authentic experience i semi-authentic it's not like i you know i i get an afternoon with somebody i don't get to sort of like live in a in an apartment for a month which i've thought about trying but you know family yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Eric, we are at the end of the show, and um, oh, so the best. What, I, what's the? You know what? I I gotta say, Please. you Please. said we were gonna get back to the coffee and chocolate at the top. Of oh, the that's show. true. We, we never. Oh, that. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so from my understanding, your mom was waiting to give you a piece of chocolate. You tried the chocolate, and you were like, Bleh. "Yep, spit it out." Six months old. Now, what type of chocolate is it? Milk or dark? Doesn't matter because I've tried them all since and I can't stand any of them. Even white? Wow, can't stand e- them. Even white. White, white chocolate's not really chocolate. It's white just butter. Oh. Well, yeah, it's well, the butter of the chocolate. See, to me, white is less uh, repulsive than the others, but it's still <laughs> repulsive. It is repulsive. Mm. Well, and, and, and coffee repulsive? Yep. I've, tr- I've tried. I, I've literally done the take a coffee cup, fill it this much with coffee, this much coffee, and then fill it the rest of the way with cream and sugar, and I still can't stand it. About what, what, what about like apart, an actual, by the way, like, for our audio listeners? L- 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 like, have have you had a, like a good cup of coffee though? Because like most people have had coffee, and they're like, oh, I don't oh like God. coffee because sure. it's because yes. it's bitter. No, I'm just asking. Hold on. Most cup, <laughs> most coffee is 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 You're not going to change his but, mind. But a real yeah, cup of coffee <laughs> tastes like nice. Like it has a sweet taste to it. That yeah. I, you know. Maybe uh, the next time we're uh, together, you can uh, acquire a good cup of coffee, and I'll try it, and then you can have the rest of it. <laughs> I will make this my mission. That's there we go. I, yeah. Have you you've tried cold brew too? Because that's oh, the one God. that's that's the one that's probably this. I'm not kind of trying to convince him. I just I'm, I'm genuinely like I'm genuinely curious if yeah. like he's had tried it. I, I'm sure he has. I, I get yeah, I get this a lot because it it is, and I I totally get it. Who doesn't like both coffee and chocolate? Like I, yeah. I, I no. get that that's a rarity, and it's actually it's a it, it's if I cared what other people actually thought of my habits, <laughs> it would be difficult to admit this in public. I've actually admitted this in a in a talk, and I've said, "Hey, did hey, people walk I, out?" Well, I've said, "Hands <laughs> up, who shares this with me?" And I'll see uh-huh. one or two hands go up, and then sometimes I'll see one person go. Like put their hand up a little, bit, <laughs> look around and put it down again. I'll be like, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. I'm not gonna out you, but I, I no. saw it. I saw it. Think about how much money he has saved over a lifetime. That's right. Think about yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm just gonna throw this out. I feel the same way about alcohol. In college, I saved uh-huh. so much friggin' money. Yeah. It's like, you know, hey guys, I'm thinking about going out to dinner. Oh, we're broke. Yeah, not me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, comparatively speaking. Um, we were all for most alcohols you're not into like beer wine oh god for here we go here we I, go again i, 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 I want to I'll tell you what i like ice wine ice wine i'll okay. let you look i'll let you look up ice wine i i did have i'm curious about the chocolate though like is it <laughs> well no 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 i want to know i want to know i just want to know more about it like um chocolate like chocolate chip cookies anything with chocolate you just don't like or is That's there correct. like period okay okay yeah. yep my uh, uh my uh daughter carolyn uh is a pretty good baker so is my wife cat um but carolyn when she makes uh chocolate chip cookies she'll make four or six of them without chocolate chips for me so what's your dessert of choice then because chocolate's the big dessert yeah. option yeah. guess what i know <laughs> so what um, do you what's your go-to I've, then i've noticed uh i like a cheesecake with a some uh, like raspberry or strawberry on top, cherry's good too. All right, yeah, a good cheesecake, a good creme brulee. Um, but honestly, uh, when we go for sushi, my uh, favorite dessert is unagi, which is a uh, broiled river eel with a uh, sweet sauce on top. Oh, so dude, sweet savory sauce. You were speaking my language right there. Yum. Yeah, that's like literally my dessert. Sometimes when I go for sushi, is I bring love bring you me all. some unagi. All right, mm, yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, Okay, well now. <laughs> yeah, we're not over. I'm sorry. But... No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I want, I want to be respectful of your time. So, uh, what's the best way people can get a hold of you? Is it your Twitter, your website? How do you want people to um, get a hold of you? Well, so uh, on almost every social network that I'm on, uh, Meyerweb is my handle, um, like on Twitter, twitter.com slash Meyerweb, uh, because my website is Meyerweb.com, M E Y E R W E B.com. Um, people can find me there. They can find me on Twitter. They can, uh, Eric at Meyerweb.com is my email address. You know, it's however you get in touch with me, um, is, is cool. I can't promise, uh, that I'll respond speedily. Um, and I can't promise that my answer will be the one you want to hear, but, 
because about once a week I get people saying, hey, can you fix your WordPress theme for me? And it's because the WordPress theme that they have uses the CSS reset that has my URL in it. So they find my site and they eventually find my contact address and they think that I'm the one. Yeah, anyway. Um, so about once a month, I have to send an email to someone saying, yeah, sorry, I can't because I didn't make it. Good luck. So, but yeah, those those are the general ways to get in touch with me. And you know, if you spot me in an airport yelling "Hey, you," that often works too. Thanks. Nice. Okay, make sure that you reach out to Eric at the airport when you see him. You <laughs> heard <sorry>. it here. <laughs> and last thing we love to ask the guest, Eric, is: uh, Do you have any final kind of parting words of wisdom for people? Things they should be thinking about? Anything that you'd like to bestow upon our audience? Remember. You don't have to be mean. No matter where you go, there you are. All right. Thank you, well, Buckaroo so Banzai. Well, we ripped that off from Buckaroo Banzai. But there's still words of wisdom. There's a lot of value in that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining yeah. us, man. Thank that was you. awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, super appreciate it. And thank you again, uh, Sarah, for, for guest hosting the show. Really appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for watching. Please uh, subscribe. Go to the little uh, subscribe thing. Hit the notifications. Really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us a review, kick a few stars our way. And above all else, please remember to send your favorite book suggestions to Brian Hinton. I, I like romance novels. They have happy endings. I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?